Chapter 31 of Mr. Wicker's Window by Carly Dawson. This is a LibriVox recording. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Arthur Piantadosi. Chris's thoughts were so taken up with the pleasure of the little Chinese princess that it durst rose that he had miscalculated. As a matter of fact, he had forgotten about the guards in his excitement at holding the jewel train and getting away, and just as the eagle rose to the top of the wall, one of the guards saw him. Had it been earlier, Chris could have risen quickly out of sight, but the jewel tree was heavy in itself. The earth holding its roots was an additional weight, so that the eagle only rose half as quickly as it had before. The guard gave a shout, and a spear whisked past Chris's ear. <laughs> Instantly the flames of bonfires spurted up on all the walls, and in his terror, Chris found himself in a glare of light as powerful as modern searchlights. He clutched the jewel tree, urging the magic bird up, but there were limits even to magic, and the bird was moving at the peak of its ability. Black, racing figures darted along the walls. The flames of the watchfires flew up higher in the air, and now arrows were singing their reheening note of death about the boy lifting so slowly into the night. Chris, crouching behind the jewel tree, was rocked and nearly unseated from the eagle when an arrow hit the earth around the tree roots, embedding itself deeply and quivering there at an angle. The shouts and confusion grew, but after a few terror-stricken moments, Chris knew that he was high enough to be out of danger. He gave a deep, shuddering sigh of relief and turned the head of the laboring eagle toward the city. His thoughts were on escape, but first he did a duty that, as an honorable person, he felt bound to perform. He was naturally observant. He had also made a point of noticing landmarks, so that he found the garden from which he had taken the rose bush without too much trouble. What he was totally unprepared for was the entire city of Peking, aroused by the watchfires in the palace walls, was awake and in alarm, and the lights of flares and lanterns gloomed from every house. Nevertheless, to replace the rosebush was an honorable necessity, and in spite of wide canary-yellow blocks streaming from the windows of the lesser palace and falling in broad sections over the lawns and far into the gardens, Chris came down as much in the shadow of trees as he could, and breaking off a sprig of the jewel tree, stuck it in the ground where the rosebush had been. Then quickly regaining the eagle's back, he was lifted into the air and up over the roofs. What was his consternation, however, on nearing a pine knoll to see the whole group of scruffy trees aflame, and no sign of Amos! The pine needles and tree trunks thick with resin burnt fiercely. Chris did not dare to come too close. Not only was the heat intense, but the clouds, looking below, looked upward to watch in a puzzled way, while others ran from near the palace gates to gaze and speculate. Chris turned sadly away, large tears for Amos running down his cheeks, his head constricted and his eyes half-blinded when from a great distance he heard a trailing call. Oh, Chris! You! Chris! Chris's heart leaped up, and wiping his eyes clear, he looked in the direction of the sound. A balloon was moving rapidly away over the peaked curved roofs of Peking, careering slightly from side to side as he'd sailed a night breeze. By the time Chris had caught up with Amos in the balloon, Peking lay far behind them. Holding on to the edge of the basket, Chris brooded out, What in the world goes on, Amos? I thought you were burned alive! I was never scared, scared in my life! Amos's eyes, wider than ever from the incitement events, batted at Chris. You're scared? What do you think I am? Get me out of this! I never did want to be up in the air, no how. And I want out now! What about the fire, Amos? 
Chris persisted, holding onto the jewel tree with one hand and the balloon basket with the other. How did you get out? Amos sent a squeamish glance out of the corner of his eye at the moving ground beneath them, and then, realizing they were on their way back to the Mirabelle, swallowed and began to talk. I waited like you said, and I guess it's better sleep. All at once, such a noise and flames splashing woke me up, and right away, seeing flyers and the motion all over the palace walls, I suppose they had spotted you somehow. I thought, should another fire break out somewhere else, it might pull the crowds away from the palace or make them think something was going up on up here. So I lit a fire with my flint and then ran right quick up the passage ledge, struck three times and shut my eyes. Here Amos covered his eyes with one hand and got in. And the silly things we a tipping and a teetering ever since. Chris bought balloon and eagle down into a rice field, and the two boys transferred the jewel tree to the greater safety of the balloon basket. Amos, having the wonderful jewel tree to guard, forgot his fears and sat down beside it, where he soon fell asleep. Chris, tying the tail of the eagle to the side of the basket with his shirt, towed Amos and the jewel tree through the air all that night and all the next day. They came down at noon in a deserted part of the country so that Chris could sleep and rest and Amos find fresh water for the leather and bottles they had strapped to their waists. Then they went on until they saw the sea and the wavering line of the coast below and ahead of them. The eagle and balloon came gently down at dusk. The balloon was folded into its small size and put back in the pouch around Chris's neck. Out of sight of Amos, Triss transformed the eagle to a boat in which, in the dark of the night, the two boys reached the side of the Mirabelle with their precious cargo. The sailors of the Mirabelle were asleep, but Chris roused the captain, who helped them secretly carry the jewel tree to a corner of his cabin. All hands were then called on deck, and everything was hustlery and bustle. Before dawn had broken, the Mirabelle had left the coast of China and was well out to sea. End of chapter 31